You're listening to That Music Podcast with me, Bryson Tarbett. I'm the music educator and blogger behind That Music Teacher and ThatMusicTeacher.com. Join me as I dive into what it really means to be a music educator. I hope that you're able to find a nugget of inspiration each week as I share my favorite ways to create purposeful instruction through active music making. Along the way, you'll hear from some of my amazing colleagues as they share practical advice that you can apply to your own classrooms. So grab a coffee, sit down, and let's get started. This episode is brought to you by the free elementary music newbie guide. We all know that you can't learn it all in four years, but the sad reality is that many new music teachers don't feel prepared for the elementary music classroom. In this free guide, we'll work through four of the most important things when it comes to being successful as an elementary music teacher. To grab your guide, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash newbie. Again, that's thatmusicteacher.com slash N-E-W-B-I-E. All right, I know I say this about basically every interview that I do, but this interview is just truly special. It's something that I I really didn't know what it was going to end up as when we started the conversation, but it was such a wonderful, wonderful um, way to kind of get a little bit perspective on music education um, outside of my own sphere of influence. Uh, This interview with Hendrik Murray is absolutely amazing. It is really cool to see how he views music education and how his upbringing in South Africa has really changed, uh, or not changed it, but kind of had to allow him to have a little bit different perspective than I do um, with our different experiences. And I really hope that you enjoy the conversation as much as I do. Hendrik Murray was appointed as head of music and specialist subjects at Russington Girls School in Rosenbach, Cape Town, in January of 2005. He served as president of the South African Choral Society from 2009 to 2014 and got appointed as executive board member of the International Federation of Choral Music in 2016. In the same year, Mariah was selected by the British Council to visit the United Kingdom as part of the Connecting Classroom program with a special task to present a series of workshops demonstrating the correlation between music and maths. With his passion and positive energy towards choral singing, he receives regular invitations to serve as adjudicator at Eastfolds and music competitions and presented a number of choral conducting workshops around South Africa. He is known for his campaign to ensure quality arts education to every child in every school and lives his life by the proverb, if you can walk, you can dance. If you can talk, you can sing. And I, again... I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. It was absolutely amazing to be able to have Hendrik on the podcast, and I hope that you find this conversation as interesting as I did. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to That Music Podcast. Today, I am here with an extra special guest all the way from South Africa, Hendrik Murray. I'm really excited to talk about uh, music education and kind of get a little bit of perspective about it. Um, so I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Hendrik, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Bryson, for the privilege, actually, of taking me on the podcast program. I think for me, this is the first to have the call to America, this time at night in South Africa. But I'm so excited to just share some of my experiences with you today. Yes, and thank you so much for dealing with that time change as we found a time that works in our both in our busy schedules. <laughs> Thank so, you very much. So before we dive in, let's. I, I would love for you to be able to introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners. So will you tell us a little bit about yourself, You know, where you went to school, what is your current position, and where exactly you are in the world? 
Well, I must tell you, I think you will hear a bit of laughter in my voice because what a rather hectic, busy schedule this last few months, especially with pre prepping for the conference. I think I still had to fit in two weeks ago emergency uh, uh, replacement of my left elbow. But then suddenly you stop and you get the time to reflect things that I haven't done for months. And what an extraordinary journey it has been so far. I think growing up on a farm in a very remote rural area in the Western Cape, attending a very small farm school with one teacher, 25 children in the school in total, all sitting in one classroom. Well, I can tell you by the end you reach the end of your primary school career, you've heard the same math lesson maybe uh, 47 times. So you do not need to concentrate anymore on what the teacher is trying to explain in math. You can just dream. And that is where it all started, I think. That thing of just allowing myself to dream whenever I could. So, yeah, I finished school. After school, I went to study BMS degree at the University of Stellenbosch, Western Cape, also South Africa, specializing in instrumental music and voice. Then I completed a higher diploma in education, and I followed by the BF honors degree that I did via the University of the Cape Peninsula in Technology. But in 2005, I received the appointment as Head of Music and Creative Arts at an all-girls school in Cape Town, South Africa. Now, yeah, that's Rustenburg Girls. The school is located in the most beautiful Levy suburb of Rondebosch. And I think and I hope you will pick up from me that I'm absolutely addicted to the school and the environment where I work. And my colleagues like to make fun out of me. They said I'm that one that's spending Sunday afternoons. And yes, many of holidays as well at school alone to plan for what's coming ahead. But I'm so proud to serve the 127-year tradition of excellence in academics and performing and visual arts at the school. How exciting. I 127 years. That is wonderful. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really excited to kind of chat with you about music yeah. education and yeah. kind of gain some perspective because while we've had some, um, you know, I, I know I have a lot of conversations with you know, international people a lot of the, the conversations i have are very north american centric you know maybe, yes, maybe there yes. might be someone from canada but a lot of the conversations <laughs> that we have are pretty much you know the united states and canada so i think it's really going to be exciting to kind of explore this from a different perspective well if i tell you the rural school with 21 children in the school i think that's already putting you in a new picture <laughs> you said there's 21 in the whole school Yes, so it's a farm school, so it only served the farming area where I grew up. So yes, there was 21 children, and we had all different grades, of course. One was in grade one, two was in grade three, but only one teacher that had to teach the entire group. Oh, wow, so, yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was very protective, but also extremely secluded. No? <laughs> yeah. So what led you to pursue your degrees? And then how did you end up in your position where you are now? Well, you know what? I think... For me, I can reflect back on two magical moments in my world. I think in basics, I always wanted to be a teacher. Strangely enough, while the rest of my class, now you must know, everyone that's with you in school are coming from farms as well, where their family and their brothers and sisters are farming. So most of these children just crave to finish school to go back to the farm. Yeah, I'm coming past and I'm dreaming about wonderful things in the arts. So that became a bit of a nightmare at that stage. But I think it took me on a wonderful journey where I've discovered so much about just being authentic and being real. So, yeah, it started off with a spring day concert. I think I was 11 years old. There was nothing extramural activities at school, at that farm school. So I've decided to put the whole group of 21 children together and we sang, I think, six 
coral pieces that I've conducted at that age of 11 years old. I've, they have allowed me that, and they've invited our parents even to attend because it was a special spring day celebration. But you know what? Something really happened that day. And yeah, <laughs> at the age of 11, something that the other people could see is almost like a foreign language because the singing to those children has not been the norm. That was really foreign to them. But then to realize suddenly that everyone that was in that group wants to sing. Everyone in that group can sing. And then much later in my career, I discovered that wonderful Zimbabwean proverb that's saying, if you can walk, you can dance, and if you can talk, you can sing. <laughs> well, that then finally made sense in my world, because that is what it was all about. Not to say I'm one of a few talented people. I think it was to say I need to contribute to a society that wants to do something with the love and the passion that's required. So my final year at university, one of my lecturers one day pinned a notice up on the pin on the notice board in the passage about a summer school in choral conducting with master classes, as you know, by a Canadian woman and a girl, Professor Doreen Rao. Well, I can tell you today, I've attended that symposium and uh, we performed as the clinicians, we performed yeah, the Coronation Mass of Mozart with Ms. Rao as the conductor. I have never experienced such an absolute miracle in front of my eyes. Someone that's so strongly engraved on everything I do in my life and everything I do every day. I saw an experience of real passion. I experienced the most intense energy. I experienced major drive. But most importantly, I've experienced such a great sense of integrity. I, I, you, know, you know the word coronation mass. If you start that first, the first piece, the Gloria, that first four bars, for example, it's actually the same word that's repeating itself three times, Gloria, Gloria, Gloria. Yeah, I'm sitting as a 21-year-old, and I listen to this woman, and she's saying, you need to think differently about each of these ones, the three glorias. And I thought, what is going on now? Then she went on to say, no, 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 you need to grow in, in the intensity when you move forward with Gloria, 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 to release the third one. So that started making some sense. And then she said, I need you to think about using the consonant, the G. She said, you can't just think explosive here. I need you to think that the sound must bounce to add the nat natural dance and feel to this piece of music. Oh, my word, Bryson, I think that was the moment when I was just hooked for life on choral singing, on singing. And now I'm very blessed and fortunate to be in this position where I'm a head of music and creative arts at this all-girls school. I think I feel very fortunate to work with 16 specialist teachers on the team with me that's all providing exceptional teaching because in the girls' school context, it is like more than 50% of our girls are taking individual tuition and instrument. So music and arts and culture is a huge thing in school. And I love to serve that. And I love to bring out the best in those girls that I work with. I, I think you bring up a really good point where, you know, you had that moment where you just, your eyes were open to just how special music can be. And I feel like a lot of us have very similar moments, um, it, whether it be just, you know, experiencing music, you know, I, I've had, I have experiences that will be with me for the rest of my life, just being able to perform. But then I also have experiences where I was the teacher and I had that moment. And I was like, wow, this, this right here is something special. So I love how you talked about that, 
that moment where you realize that something is special. And then mm-hmm. in your current position, you're, you're helping other students, you know, help, you're helping your students find their own moment, which I think is something really special and something that we, we need to remember as music uh-huh. teachers is that we are provi- we are giving those moments where students with that might, you know, we might change their lives in one moment. And we need to remember that we have that power. <laughs> you know what? You are, you are talking so, so, such truth here. The power is one thing. Now, for me, I always had a extremely negative connotation to too much power. I think, yeah, and lots of instances is being abused. But for me, the power that I get was singing in my hand, that I can direct the direction in which I want the world to travel, that type of thing. You know what? That's a huge responsibility, number one, I think. But the power, that is when there's that magic. I always say to the girls that's my choir, now, yeah, I've got 145 of them in the choir. I always say, I need that moment when we're all in sync, that exact second when everyone is breathing at the same time, feeling at the same time, portraying at the same time. That sync. That is the magic of music making. And I will tell you, I think a person will go very empty for life if you didn't experience that magical moment when the penny really drops. That is what it's about. 100%. I I live my life, especially my like teaching life, trying to find those moments, even if it's not a huge game changer moment, but it's those moments yeah. that like, for today, this might be that moment for today. This might be yeah. the, the peak of today. And how can I make more moments where I realize that there is magic in what we do? And that's kind yeah. of how I, I try to uh, shape my classroom. You know, you, you just say it as well. It's not always the same moment. It's not always a big moment. But it's that one moment when you connect with the reality. When you are so true to yourself that you get the best out of children. And when children actually portray the best of themselves to you. And and it's not to compare notes. And, and it's not to compare where we are in a lesson. And I don't want every lesson to be that out, uh, pouring out of energy lesson where I want to fall on the ground at the end and say, you know what, I can't anymore. I've pushed all the energy into 15 minutes slot or whatever. I think if I look over the period of a week, for example, I would like to think somewhere I touch someone's heart somewhere i directed someone in a direction to be a good person now yeah you know those are very character development business but i do think as music teachers we must never ever forget the power in our hands and use it and use it and uh, yeah and use it to benefit the school that's the other thing of course Exactly. I mean, we the the thought the phrase you know with great power comes great rep- responsibility comes to mind, and it you know I'm yeah. laughing a little bit, but also it, it's true. You know, we might not necessarily be superheroes, but we have a lot of power, and we also have the responsibility to use that power in a positive way, which I think is, is something that we need to make sure that we are kind of keeping at the center of what we're doing in our classrooms. You know, I will tell you, I think sometimes I look at colleagues and not my immediate colleagues, but also in people that I extend work with, et cetera, et cetera. And I sometimes feel sorry if I see someone functions, but they've got all the knowledge, how to do it the best way possible, how to do good practice. But then there's that one thing missing. And yes, a few years ago, I was very outspoken to just say, I think the magic has been missing here in the teaching. Now I think I will be a bit more refined about that. And I will say, I think then you've missed your calling. If you're not willing to use every opportunity of every day to make extraordinary connections, you've lost the race. And yeah, and that is where the the, the majority of our work will lie, I think, for the next 10, 15 years. 
So I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to talk about your position because honestly, I I don't know much about how um, the education system in South Africa works. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day position looks like and to what degree you're a part of the music education in your community. Yes, yeah. So yeah, to what degree I would say um, that's there's so much part of the happening in the community that I seldom get five minutes where I do not need to talk during the day. <laughs> but I think you will understand also. I'm, I'm very privileged, yes, to work with a huge team, sixteen of specialists working with us. And then in South African schools, we can still do that specialization in the class music room as well. So I think that is a passion for me. But the big thing is to manage this entire group, and then people will always stand in great respect for the fact that you run a very successful department that have got that connection between the uh, instrumental producing program on the one side, where it's content that you deliver to a very focused group and clientele, but part of your time that you need to spend in whole school drives. In other words, where you touch every single child with what you do, whether it's in the music classroom, whether it's on stage, whatever the arts component will be, but you need to touch. And, and I think in the Rustenburg context where I function, that became very important to us, even with the privilege of all the specialist people. Yes, the privilege took us to an instrumental teaching program with exceptional standard of teaching, but that was not good enough. There was a reason for us to think we need to create an inclusivity. We need to bring inclusivity forward. And the way to do it is to have the whole school drives. So, yeah, my colleagues will find it very interesting because they hate me for that, by the way. But if there's a mention in our staff room that the intermediate phase and senior phase, that's now your class teachers, will need some time to do either reflection or some time to do phase meetings, I'm the first one to jump up to say, don't mind, you can use the time slot of assembly because I will take the whole school with me into the hall and we will do a singing assembly. <laughs> I can tell you, my own music colleagues, they will look at me and <laughs> stare because they hate those moments. But I can tell you, as a music teacher, if we do not have our finger on that pulse to use every bit of opportunity to get teaching going and to get the love of music going, we will never get there. I'm sure you're dealing with the same problem with this time allocation, very little time allocated to the arts in your school. Then people tend to complain. And yes, I want to say I do understand that and I respect that a lot. But I never want to be the one that's part of that problem. In other words, complaining about it. What am I doing to fix? Am I just satisfied that I don't have enough time? and make peace with that, or I'm trying to find that moment in between where I can add to the curriculum and can add to music education in my school. And that is when you need to step out of the box. And you must have these whole school drives that we do. And I think that is the thing that's picking up big time in South Africa at this stage. So many wonderful, just like nuggets of, <laughs> of, of, of just how... Have- how things are similar in ways, but also different. Um, so that, that's definitely sounds like an interesting position. And um, you, you does sound very integral and very integrated into the community that you teach. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of, I would love to hear, what do you think the purpose of music education is for your students? Well, I think uh, the author, Ken Robertson, I think before he published the true statements, I was already there where, for me, the true purpose of music education is definitely not to get more professional musicians out in the field. I do not think For that sure. is the place in modern society. I think it is to create more complete human beings, people that can apply critical thinking, definitely. I think also people that got curious minds 
And then, of course, people that can live productive lives. I want to see children that felt a sense of belonging, not only at school, but what I present them with from a teaching point and from a music education point. I want this, the music department and the music rooms to be a safe place where they will, where they will be allowed to express without the fear of your day-to-day judgment. I think that is the things that, that I stand for and that I am allowed to practice in the school where I am. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I always tell people, like, you know, if I produce a bunch of professional musicians and a bunch of music educators, that would be awesome. But realistically, I know that's not, you know, not, none of, not all of my kids are going to do music past elementary even. So I, I feel like how you talk about you, we're just making people, we're making people that are well rounded. I want my students when they leave my classroom to be appreciators of the arts forever, whether or not that's just listening, whether or not it's, you know, in going to concerts and, you know, being patrons, or I want them to be a part of the process. I want them to understand that, the arts have beauty in a way that is more than just just the sit for that the, the sake that they're there. You know, there's so much more that they that that arts can mean to people, even if it doesn't necessarily mean that to them. Well, I will tell you, I love what you say, but you do know that you've added now just one more responsibility to our list as music teacher. <laughs> <laughs> because please, this this is exactly what I think sometimes is missing is that we all are already there, and especially in the privileged schools where I work as well, where you're there where you're almost on top of the cloud. But sometimes I get the feeling we're so high and mighty about everything we do that we actually miss the moments of touching the floor. And, and then I want to bring back the programs to more basic stuff. And I think that is also why I was even so impressed with the stickers that was published on Monday and the website. I think it is to get back to the simple things and, and the simplicity around things and get that perfect because that is the moments when you start feeling. And, and that is where you actually can make sure that everyone that you touch and work with will experience some type of success. For sure. And I I know that there are probably people in the world that have differing opinions, but when it comes to music education, sometimes things get just overcomplicated. You know, we start thinking about all the other things and, you know, we're going to do this piece and this piece and this piece. And then we don't really think about the, 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 the base foundation, you know, why are we picking this piece? You know, what does it have? How does it fit into my curriculum? How does it fit into, um, you know, just overall connecting to other things that are happening outside of my classroom. And by bringing, like, I love how you said, you know, we're so, sometimes we can be so high in the clouds that we don't touch the ground that I think it's important for us to, to make sure we're touching the ground, to stay grounded and just kind of see what, what else we can do to make education more than just learning how to sing or learning how to play an instrument in a way that allows the students to really become lifelong learners and lifelong appreciators of the arts. But, but, you know, uh, I love the fact that that is the outcome that we crave or that we want to create. Yes, but there's so many ways to get there. So I will not, I do not want to be the one that will say to people, there's only one or two ways to get there. You will know it yourself. I think it is to open up that moment to say, I'm human. I feel, I feel every day. I need other people around me with exactly the same passion, the same drives. What can I do? I'm not going to make them the one that's going to perform in Carnegie Hall, but that's not where I want to take it. I want to have that one that's going to purchase the ticket in 20 years from now, and that's going to, you don't just jump up for accolades. If you want to jump, you jump because it was exceptional work. Now, those things, it's listening skills and stuff that you develop during the course of teaching, and you can't get it right in one day. I think it's just a lifetime process of it 
yeah, it's sleep dream music. Because as music teachers, if we do not that, do that perfectly, we're missing the opportunity. If we do not listen to the basic stuff on the radios or advertisement on the radio, and we implement that tomorrow in the music classroom, we are not making the content real. And we're missing the opportunity to catch someone, to create a moment of success. Yes, I, I feel sorry if music teachers still do believe that they are the teachers that can leave the school building first at the end of the day. I think as music teachers, you're actually the one that's really the 24 hours on duty. Because if you don't dream these things, it's not going to happen. I so much. <laughs> I have so much that I want to respond to that I can't even don't even know where to start. I mean, you you brought up a lot of really good points about you know, while it would be great if someone was was performing at Carnegie Hall, we would at least have someone that yeah. wants to buy that ticket. We want people yeah. to realize that you know the the students that we have now they're going to be those the people in the future that have the opportunity to be to be patrons for the arts and if we don't set them up for success for understanding what that can mean and why they can be important, then we, 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 we run the risk of, of losing arts programs. We, we, we run, we run the risk of, you know, not having performances as much. You know, we, we run the risk of losing out on more of this art in the world because you know, it's not seen as important. So I think that's where I know. I know I keep adding things to the list of what we need to be doing as yeah. music teachers, yeah. but <laughs> making sure that students under leave our classrooms, understanding that what happens in our classroom is not for the sake of what happens in our classrooms. Yes, you know what? I think you've got such lovely thinking because in South Africa, we started recently only talking about the thing of the importance of creating art consumers at a very young age. That is exactly what you tried to say in the beginning as well. So for us, it's almost like we've switched off about that. And then clearly with COVID that arrived, <laughs> we switch off more about creating art consumers. But if you don't do it at an early age, you don't set it as a lifestyle. And that is actually what music must become in our schools. You need to sell music as a lifestyle. It's not a subject. It mustn't be a curriculum so much. I've, I hate the fact that I need to adhere to every single policy of assessments, et cetera, et cetera, because at the end of the day, I want to sell a lifestyle. And that is what I would like to do. And I think there's a lot of other music teachers that might agree with me that how is it possible that we can work through life and only touch the 25 individual pupils and raise the bar with individual tuition. That is not the magic. The magic is that once there, that's going to become the consumers, that's going to be willing to pay. I love that. And I love how you talked about, you know, the education and just the kind of the shift, because as we were emailing, you know, back and forth, trying to schedule a time and get everything ready, you mentioned that there is an increased focus on singing in the South African schools. So I would love for you to talk about that a little bit. You know, why is this being viewed as important? And what in the in all actuality, how is this being implemented? So yes, the, I think the, I will bring it up again if we get closer to conference talk, maybe later as well. But singing in South African schools, I will tell you, I think sometimes it is necessary for us to have a very little before we can appreciate. And, and yes, people might be very unhappy with a statement like that, but you know what? It is easy if you can purchase the best possible instrument and start getting a teacher, pay for the tuition, and off you go. After 10,000 hours, I'm sure you can to show with talent and a bit of hard work, something can happen. But that is not where it must be in South Africa because we lots of our schools. 
majority of South African schools are in an underprivileged situation where those things are not available. Resources are not available. So then they will not teach the content. If there's no resources, most teachers, the one interactive whiteboard in front of them, whether they use it to watch a YouTube movie or whatever the case would be, or proper teaching, it's a, it's a different ballgame. But I think people are looking at these things and seeing that this is the only way that I can be effective creative arts, effective music teacher. Well, I want to say in South African schools, we had to adjust that to say, we can't afford these things in majority schools. So singing needs to become the core of what we do in the school. We need to use singing as that vehicle that actually drives everything, whether it is sports events, whether it is whole school assemblies, whether it is community events that we do a lot of, but singing must be at the core. And I think we've reached the situation in South Africa with education that we've lost so much, especially over the last two years. And what we've lost is not stuff that we need to pick up again. So singing is that one moment where you can actually put a tagline to it. And, you know, taglines are sometimes things that's just hanging in the air. But there's a lot of value to say a singing school is a successful school. Now, that little tagline, I think, is just a moment of switching on. Every principal, whether are you in the biggest city, whether in the smallest town, if they hear that, there's a sense to inquire a bit more. And I think that is what that tagline got right. A singing school is a successful school. Because let's be honest, principals do not like to give majority of the time to us on the timetable, but they do know where to come to if they need to expose, if they need to present, they will know. The music department is the place. So I think to use the music then as a tool is going to make us stronger in our departments, I believe. And children will benefit, of course, of that. But it's just to have that little tag down in South Africa to say a single school is a successful school. Whether it's success about turning up every morning at school, whether it's success of excelling in a maths assessment or task, those things are all part of the job. But to have the thing at the core, that is what we needed to bring in South African context to survive. I think you brought up a really good point. You know, the the lack of resources or just the the inequity or just, you know, we can't you can't do what you what you can't do, but then bringing it back to something that, that can't, it can be possible. I mean, that's one thing that, um, I, I very, very much so attuned to the, 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 the pedagogy of Zoltan Kodai about, you know, a lot of, lots of singing and lots of, you know, just doing what, what is natural because students all have, um, voices in one way or another and it brings up a quote that i just had to look up as you were saying that from kodai because i think it's it really kind of sums up exactly what you're saying and it goes quote our age of mechanization leads along a road ending with man himself as a machine only the spirit of singing can save us from this fate unquote and that just means so much to me because i think it really brings it back to the foundations like we said you know being up in the clouds and coming down and touching the ground every once in a while and that's a really a quote that i really um i feel drawn to personally well i will tell you that's the most powerful quote and it's really as the quote that you need to sit on and you need to brew on it <laughs> to really play it out for its full value because quotes like that is again adding that responsibility that we've got as music teachers but i think also the quote is just saying to us again people try to say they don't have time to work and plan around integrated learning project-based learning whatever we want to call it but it's not those moments that we actually need and especially not in south african schools at this stage we need that moments where integration is a natural thing so if we sing, for example, and we sing the word high, a child needs to experience where the sound must travel to when I sing high or when I sing low. 
if I do a small week. The moment you do that informal learning, if they step back into the language classroom and that environment, they can apply and suddenly they read with comprehend and understanding. People can actually get engaged in their reading. Their oral presentations are on a different level as well. So, so that is the moments that I think I would like to treasure. I, I hate to think I must sit with someone for three weeks to work out lesson plans about integration itself. I think that must be much more natural and not so formal. Taking it back to South African context, we're sitting in a position where a lot, especially in your primary schools, music education gets done by the generous class teacher. That's not the skilled musician. So that can bring its problems. I do think there's ways around it. And singing have become that way for us. If we believe everyone can sing, if you can, yeah, if you can walk, you can dance, if you can talk, you can sing. That is when you give the power back to a generalist even to say, I can present this lesson and I actually can make a difference. 100%. I, I agree with that very much so. And I think that's a, a really good, interesting way to, to view just you know, again, if you can walk, you can dance. If you can talk, you can sing. And, you know, you make making music in whatever way you can. So I know you talked earlier about the conference. And I would love for you to talk about this conference that you just finished hosting. Um, you know, what was the, what was the work about? And what outcomes do you hope to come from the conference? Well, Bryson, I think the conference, or the, the, the side of the conference, has <laughs> even caught me by surprise. Now I will tell you, whenever we sit at management meetings, uh, the other senior management is on the team with me. If there's a project coming up, they will say, please do not get Hendrik to do this. And then I will look very fear and look, what is this all about? And he will say, no, 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 because everything starts small. Once he touches it, it's growing into one other major production. <laughs> so the conference was one of those things that started very small in January. <laughs> But then in a month after that, it just exploded in size. But I think it's also because there was such a need in South Africa for that type of work. So, yeah, as a school, we've been consciously and intentionally engaging in the process of transformation and working on ways to become more equitable and inclusive in policy and practice. And then being in a fortunate environment where for 127 years, our students have benefited from an exceptionally high standard of education that has included all the opportunities for, to be exposed to art, to excel in the arts, etc. We recognize that this is not the story of most South African schools. And we have the responsibility to share and support other teachers who are often not teaching in these well-resourced schools. However, we are by no means experts in what we do. I do think you can't just say, I am the one, the best leader in the pack. This is the reason why we are then partnered with the conference with exceptional practitioners and researchers to highlight the important role that music and creative arts can play in a child's education and to bring it to the forefront. So our responsibility with the conference was to create a platform for teachers where they can learn, where they can discover and explore ideas and realize the capabilities that they've got to make the arts really come alive in their schools. More than that, the conference was supposed to aim to create that opportunity for connection so that teachers can support one another and develop their professional learning networks across schools and community, but then also that all teachers, irrespective of their knowledge and skill level in teaching the arts and music, to walk away with tools in their toolbox that will enhance their everyday practice in the classroom, 
that will introduce them to the digital innovation that's available and just to get them excited about basic teaching content. That was the conference. How exciting. What a, what a great goal and a go, what a great vision. Um, and I, th- I think you put it best when you say, you know, when you, you're in a place where you are able to help those um, that might need some assistance, it's your responsibility to try to help others rather than just, you know, keeping everything to yourself. Well, Bryson, I will tell you, I think you must enjoy this part because that's bringing out the singing again. In the beginning, when I started planning the conference, it was very much no soundboard for me. I sat and I, and I just all had, had this wonderful ideas about what topics, what type of, of research work I would like to bring out just to make it again exciting. But then I came across a very interesting thing in our own education department. Now, you know, everywhere internationally, we've got a lot of STEAM approaches, where there's on the science, the technology, and mathematics, languages, the, the, the most of the focus areas. I think this has actually increased, of course, after we returned back to schools last year, that the core subjects got most of the emphasis and the time. Yes, but then with our Western Cape education department. They have adopted, at the beginning of this year, a new approach. They call this the STEAM-MAC approach. <laughs> so of course, clearly, we are focusing still on STEAM on the one side, but they had the vision to bring in arts and coding into the process as well. And then they said they're not going to allow the schools, in other words, to just carry on with the focus drive on the core subjects. They need to see these two legs because this is how we're going to prepare the children for 21st century skills. This is how we're going to get the engagement, the commitment, et cetera, et cetera. Sadly, they did a survey at the end of February as the department, and they surveyed between 1,500 primary schools in the province. Of the 1,500 schools, 720 have indicated by the principal of that school or the headmaster of that school that they've stopped teaching music in their schools completely and that they are not even considering bringing oh, music wow. back onto their timetables. Now, that was the day when I had the biggest shock to think that what is, how is this going to play out? If, if people are already so confident to put it on a survey from the department, listen here, we are not going to go back there. We're not going to do it. We've actually lost the race already. And children have lost the opportunities and, and missed the opportunities. So I think that's just switched me on with the conference to say this conference better become the biggest switch on moment for music teachers in South Africa because we can't allow this to happen. We, we can't allow children to go through school life and, and they then do not get the experience on, or they don't get in touch with music making at all. Sadly, with that, there's still marks being entered, assessment marks and systems. So, of course, that's opening up a new corruption thing again. Say teachers are not teaching content, but they're providing marks. So I had discussions with subject advisors from the department, and they are crying and receiving calls from schools to say they're not doing this, and they're just entering marks for the sake of marks and being fabricated. And I thought to myself, how is this possible that the department can't take action against this? (laughs) Because in my world, I would just like to fix the problem, of course. So I had to find a clever way to bring the message across to the Department of Education as well to say, we need you to switch on now. This is happening in front of you. Schools are indicating that this is going to happen. What are you doing about this? Internationally, there's all the research to prove the value that music education and arts education can add to the child's holistic development. Why is it? that you don't put your money where your mouth is. I think that was where the conference came actually to, to the full club. Yes, and, and it was fascinating to see within a blink of an eye, 2,000 people attended the conference. 
over the two wow. days of the period. So th- that is just saying to me exactly how poor the arts and music education in South Africa currently feel. Because people only reach out on platforms like that when you feel there's a need and when you feel there's a loss. So I think the combination of this just works for the sake of the conference to switch it on. That that is that is an amazing outcome. I that is really cool. I didn't realize just how big that had turned out. So thank you so much for doing that because I can only imagine the amount of impact and the, the amount of classrooms and the amount of students that uh, those of you involved in the conference were able to influence. So kudos to you for taking on such an endeavor. Well, I think I'm not renowned for not sleeping much. <laughs> I, can tell, I can tell you <laughs> to have a two-day virtual conference with six keynote speakers of international, 29 workshop presenters. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It became a moment to control. <laughs> so, yeah, very little sleep in recent months. Well, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. This has been a wonderful conversation. I could chat with you for hours, um, but I want to let you catch up on some of your sleep because I know it's late where you are. So, Hendrik, where can we, where can our listeners find more of you online or find more about the conference that you did? So, I will tell you, I think the easiest at this stage is just to go say hashtag CAC, Creative Arts Conference, of course, CAC 2021. And it will take you to a website, the conference website. And yes, we received yesterday the wonderful news that this was now the first of its kind in South Africa. But one of our big financial institutions in South Africa, Old Mutual, insurance company, have stepped up yesterday and announced that they are willing to sponsor the entire event going forward. So this is going to become my annual nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. How exciting. Think, yeah. It's exciting. There's also fear because I think there's a lot of expectations. You know, if, if, if someone is busy drowning and you're just touching the hand to save them, there's that moment of relief. I'm so worried that I provided that moment of relief, but then I'm dropping the ball again and people drown. Yeah. So, so that is where I need to work at, of course, and where I will need to pull the networks out at all times to create the best possible platform, the best possible presenters and, and people, clinicians that's working with people. Well, I look forward to personally hearing more about how this conference goes in the future. And again, I want to thank you for being part of the podcast. Um, I'm really excited to uh, share this with my listeners and gain, have allow them to gain a little bit of perspective into uh, music education from a different lens. So, Hendrik, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it, especially with it being so late. Thank you so much for the wonderful opportunity. Thank you so much for telling you a bit about South African context. I think we do experience the same problems internationally, but you know what? If you're in a country where we are currently, where there's such a lot of unrest and unsettlement, I do think the arts needs to step it up to provide peace. I hope hope that we will realize this. I I agree wholeheartedly. Thank you so much, Hendrik. I will talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. If you found this episode helpful at all, I would really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Not only does this help me understand what you find most helpful, it also helps more music educators just like you find the podcast. To check out the show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash show notes.